gibberish and at the bottom of the screen it's like interpreting for him and it's like he's like negotiating deals with different teams and he's like how many games how many games do I have to play in a season <laughs> to get paid and then he's like asking about the nightlife and all this stuff oh, man. it's hilarious good those are funny people got too much time on their hands huh they really yeah. they I just, know but it creates such good entertainment such <laughs> good memes around yeah good Dude, that whole world as much as I hate social media i do love it for that the memes yeah you like all these submarine meme, oh, memes too have you seen those <laughs> oh yeah oh, shit. Of them. it's pretty ruthless i mean considering <laughs> what happened but did I mean, they find them ever no 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 nothing they, whatsoever i haven't I kept up with it crushed like a beer can like it just, i don't think they just went under expect to find really no, they, nothing? They, they found the debris debris but yeah but yeah, the yeah. like human oh, the remains people, i don't no, think no. they're like just crushed thing. it. It's gone. I think yeah. I heard when it like blew up, it like liquefies everything in your body, like the pressure and stuff in there. It would be quick. Oh, like it's like instantaneous. You're just gone. It's pretty wild to me. I always thought it was wild that, I mean, obviously I think that Bezos' whole thing going to space must have been a lot more regulated or maybe, but that was always mind-blowing to me that you could just dump a sub and go. Yeah, you could just, <laughs> like, well, we could just build something and go down the Titanic. We could build a spaceship and go to space. Like I would have yeah. thought like there would have been more of like somebody saying, no, no. You can't do that. You shouldn't go down that far. <laughs> Submarine's like one of those things that just doesn't make sense to me anyway. No, you, like you're, you're going to get into escape. a metal tube and I'm going to go under underwater. Which is dark. It just, this just doesn't it doesn't add up for me. seems completely sketchy from the get-go. I, 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 I mean, never do it. Just claustrophobic. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I couldn't even get in that thing and, and close the hatch above. No, I'm claustrophobic yeah. bad too. Really is that a little bad. tiny one? Does that have a bathroom? It looks so small. Like, no. Oh, have you never seen <laughs> a pee in a bag or something? <laughs> have you never seen the no, the inside of it? Uh-uh. It's beyond tiny. My time is way more better spent doing I, other things. I mean, I agree. On sports memes? On sports memes. Instead of current yeah. event memes, yeah. you're on sports memes. Forget, sports forget <laughs> underwater exploration. It's memes yeah. only. Well, like, pretty ruthless memes out there about that one. It's wild. <laughs> was that a, a... Was it to see the Titanic? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. You can just I Google mean, a picture of it. They got a, lots of them. There's yeah. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brady's uh, favorite movie, Titanic. I mean, know. it was Lord my Lord favorite movie. You know was, this, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it was my favorite movie as a kid because of one scene. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. we all know the scene. Yeah. I did after this whole Titanic thing happened. I told my wife, we should show the kids the Titanic. That's a good movie. And I was like, hmm. There's mm-hmm. one scene. I need to rewatch it again first yeah. and see yeah. if it's appropriate. Because <laughs> I've shown my kids lots of movies lately that, from our childhood. And I'm yeah. like, that's a good one. We should show them. Then we get like halfway into it. And my wife and I are looking at each other like, oh, Holy shit. shit. All the movies <laughs> we back then. this off. Yeah. I don't remember how inappropriate this was. <laughs> All the movies back then are inappropriate. 16 Candles. Yeah, yeah. What movies have you shown your kids lately? Do you think can you think of any of them off the top that of your were head? inappropriate? Yeah, I mean just I in general. Well, I've been showing them like some classics, like they love Happy Gilmore. Oh yeah, oh, I'm trying to go to some now. classics like that. Like Billy Madison was a little more inappropriate than I remember showing mm-hmm. them. That, but it's not you know? that. It's not that bad. Yeah. But there's some things in there like oh. Like my yeah. eight-year-old daughter's like watching it, like <laughs> Happy Gilmore when he goes to his happy place. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that one was good, and they loved it. I can't really think of any others, but yeah. occasionally there'll be like a random, I don't know what, a pop-up topic. I'm like, oh, yeah, that movie's good. We should show that one to the kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting old, Jeff. That's what it is, man. No, we got we got Jeff Spazito from Stone Glacier on today. We uh, conned him to come and coming down yeah. to Vegas. So we got the big man. The big man. The what is your man. official title of Stone Glacier? Uh, president, I suppose. President. Yeah. CEO, president, chairman. All ever decision making. You don't have a plaque? Do you have a plaque on your, your office that says? No. 
No. No plaque in my office. Nothing. No windows in my office. No. You took your hat off in that meeting earlier today, and I was going to tell you, your life must be way too easy because you have zero gray hair. For you to be... <laughs> well, I got you, some, for I you got to, some of my goatee, no, but I For you to be <laughs> all decision maker of a brand, it must be way too easy. Uh, Jeff usually has a sick mustache, and he's still yeah. got a, a good one going on. I haven't had the handlebar mustache in a while. Yeah. It got, got, it got too hipster, too mainstream. Right. I'm sad that Trail shaved his recently, I did too. shave mine. Yeah. Mine was mine was pretty good. Yeah, I was it was legit. <laughs> yeah, it'll come back, I'm sure, at yeah, some let's point. Hope. I haven't had a mustache season. in a while, so I, I shaved and I got the goatee, and I was getting some gray hairs in there. Now I'm nervous that if I grow it back, it's going to be like all gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got none of the mustache. Yeah, yeah. just go That's for right. it. Yeah, <laughs> Lorenzo's getting a little. A little, Jesus. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. yeah lately, a little in That's, in the sideburns. Starting it's to, all on the sideburns. It's That's a why good I cut my hair short. Salt and, pepper. salt and pepper. Yeah, I always wanted that salt Experience. and pepper look. Yeah. Yeah. Brady's getting a little of those yeah. Yeah. You cut your hair, did you? It looks I shorter. did. I cut it. I feel like less of a man. Honestly. Did you really? Yeah, I honestly do. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> odd thing to say you feel like less of a man for cutting your hair. I only cut my hair once a year, and every time I do it, I'm like, why did I cut that much off? Maybe a little less bad, more, more frequent haircuts. <laughs> when you have hair that long and you go in, do you just tell them what? You want to trim? Yeah, it's like, just, is that how that works? I yeah. want to know Brady Miller's grooming. What is it? What do you tell him? What do you do? It's like, just cut a couple inches off. Like, okay. You go like, in somewhere it, to do that? Can't you do that on your own? I probably could do it on my own, yeah. <laughs> but that would be more manly if that's I mean that's, that's clearly what you're going for. It's really weird though walking in, there's all those like, you know, hot chicks everywhere, like like actually doing stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just a dude, just cut my hair, like give me two inches off and walk out really quickly. It's like takes five minutes. <laughs> you know, Such is you know, it costs like forty five bucks. You know, say something like just trim off the split ends for me or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, know. I got a split end. <laughs> was my hope <laughs> just trim the split ends <laughs> give me a hair treatment and cut the split ends please yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, let's get we appreciate you coming down we wanted to sit down with you and, and just kind of do a little podcast yeah. and explore all things stone glacier Sounds uh, great. i guess before we get started we hit you with the promo Brady, do you want me to hit the promo? Yeah, hit, this hit with the promo T-Rail. Yep. So we're still we're still in app season. I guess we're not in app season per se. We're 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 for guys like me that didn't get an elk tag this yeah, year. Leftover tags. Leftover tags. Mm-hmm. Uh, OTC stuff. Um, those are getting a little bit harder to find, but you can still pick up an OTC tag in Colorado, uh, which is what I've been doing, digging through and doing my research, trying to find an elk tag. Uh, but there's still some opportunities out there. It's still actually a really good time to sign up for a Go Hunt Insider account or even an Explorer membership, which is the maps portion of our, our membership. Um, we have a promo code. It's podcast. You can use that promo when you sign up for an Insider membership and get yourself 50 points back in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Or you can sign up for an Explorer membership and get 20 points back in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. You can use that to buy Stone Glacier gear. One point's one dollar. So. What would good, you buy for 50 bucks, Jeff? Yeah, what would you buy, Jeff? 50 bucks? Yeah. I got to cap it at 50? No. Yeah. Well, you, you can put it towards something. Yeah, what would you put it towards? Uh, Let's 50, do $50 Stone Glacier product? Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying something about your product? Well, no, but that's a little <laughs> limited, but I, I think... Uh, I think we make some uh, some of our base layers are a little bit more than that, but our merino wool is awesome. Our merino crew is getting close to that. Yeah. It's in that 79 range. Our there we go. Hey, you're actually wearing one right now. It's my favorite piece. Our merino is really nice. It's actually one of my favorite, just like shirts in general, just everyday shirt around yeah. in it, wearing it just around town. You yeah. do wear that all the I time. I do wear it a yeah. lot. Yeah. It's, it's my, really, it's, I mean, I'm biased. A lot but of it's, it's, it's <laughs> some of the most comfortable merino out <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And you can wear it for the base layers. You can't go wrong with and mm-hmm. use that for everything. A lot of it's in the fit for me. And then it's like the right weight. Yeah. Like I can wear it over a t-shirt and it's not too bad. 
but yeah. if it can wear it as a base layer, it's the perfect weight and it just fits good. It's always long, long yeah. enough. What is the weight? I don't know. Uh, Do you know? Uh, one, the, it's 160, I think. Yeah, I was going to say 150, 160, yeah. somewhere in there. Perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good mid-weight. It's not super light. It can still be durable, but you know, you can wear it for hot weather gotcha. conditions as well. So yeah, yeah, put your put your points. Like I said, one point one dollar. Uh, put it towards some stone glacier gear, and you still got a ton of time to do some research, explore maps. It's a great time to scout. I know that we're all we did last podcast. We talked pretty extensively about scouting. Uh, got out and hung some trail cameras. So I'm stoked. You did? About, yeah. Yep. Got really? some trail cameras. Yeah, just two. <laughs> I didn't go all in, but I did get a couple in on just some water sources, which I don't know if it'll help me this year or not, given the fact that there's water everywhere. But yeah. see the feet out there lately too. The feet yeah. outrageous. Yeah, oh. up to my up to my knees, pretty much everywhere you go. Yeah. Hey, but, you mentioned Colorado leftover tags. When do those come out, or what do you? Is so there you any good sec- there? Yeah, you get secondary draw coming up. Deadline is the thirtieth. Yep. Is it tomorrow? 30th. Yep. Set. No, when is that? What's the two, today? two days? It's two Friday. Days. Yeah, it'll be Friday. Yeah. Yep. So you still got a couple days. Uh, you know, there's still there's some deer tags. It's interesting. I was looking at that list. A lot of those they they give 100% preference to youth. So a lot of those tags will go to youth applicants that apply. That's cool. But yeah, it is really cool. And I mean, if you got a youth and they drew a tag, it maybe you know you could think about upgrading it if you wanted to turn the other one back in and and kind of upgrade your tag because there are some decent tags on that leftover mm-hmm. that secondary draw list. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's still some tags there, and then just the OTC stuff, which has been trimmed down some. A lot of the I think what five six units that were OTC last year now went to a draw, but there were still a bunch left over on that secondary draw that you could pick up if you wanted to. But yeah, I mean, there's still a ton of second, you know, second draw and then uh, OTC tags, which is what I'm looking at doing. So yeah, we just dropped a big article too about over the counter archery elk opportunities. Mm-hmm. Broke down even like the Arizona ones, Utah ones, Oregon, Washington, yep. obviously Colorado, Idaho. A lot guys, of stuff out there still people grab if they want you to. You guys live in Montana. You don't even have to worry about that. We're pretty lucky. Must yeah. be nice. Yeah, Montana's a nice state to live in. Everybody always asks to draw anything this year. and You're like, I no. didn't, but it doesn't, it doesn't, honestly doesn't really matter. Sometimes a general. I mean, you want to draw, so obviously we all yeah. want to go do some cool adventures, but we're pretty lucky in Montana over the counter general tag. You can hunt so many <laughs> things for so long. How do you manage your own applications? Like, do you do you apply in other other states across the West? Do you apply for like those limited quota tags and and just kind of keep Montana in your back yeah. pocket in case you need it? Or how do you approach that? I do. Um, I'm not as diligent or as analytical about it as some of the other guys in our office. Mm-hmm. Um, just gotten to a point now too with just a point in my life with work and my kids where my hunting opportunities are more limited. So I've you know buy points where I can, but I put in for kind of the standard Western states. And, mm-hmm. You know, there'll be years where it's like, well, I don't want to draw, so I'll buy a point or put in for something that I'm not likely to draw. And if I do, mm-hmm. if I do draw it, then I can make, yeah, yeah. I can make some time to go on a on a good hunt. But, but yeah. Alaska is always awesome. I mean, you can. I like to go to Alaska every every year if <laughs> every I could. Year. Yeah, <laughs> but every couple of years, um, that's always one where we're pretty stoked to plan a trip, whether it's something that's easy or if you got to put in for a draw. But yeah, was Stone Glacier kind of born out of Alaska? It was, yeah, right. absolutely was, yeah. So my business partner, Kurt, who who founded Stone Glacier, um, we actually was a high school teacher in Homer for a long time. Oh, really? He's born and raised in Montana, but then after um, school, moved to Alaska because he wanted to hunt and fish and just leverage what Alaska had to offer. 
So he was a high school teacher in Homer for a long time. And what did he teach? Do you know? Uh, he taught math, I think, and then shop class. He's a really good <laughs> welder. Really? Yeah. And so he taught shop class a lot, but math and history or something, I, I don't even really know. <laughs> I was surprised when, yeah. when he told me, but he shot, taught the shop class for a long time. Um, and he is, he is obviously, he's our product designer, so he that makes, that's makes a natural sense. fit, makes a lot yeah. of sense. He's got a wealth I mean, of knowledge, too. Yeah, he's built so many crazy things that... You won't, you won't know about until you ask him, but I mean, he's welded his own um, aluminum boats. Like he's big into boat making. Really? Actually, the the Stone Glacier logo uh, and name came was originally on a drift boat that he made, hmm. like an aluminum drift boat he welded, and it said Stone Glacier or Stone River Drifter. For me, it was Stone Glacier Drifter, and it was the same ram we have. Huh. And it was on a boat that he built and made. So That's he's, awesome. he's so the logo was the logo he came up with. Yeah, yeah, and then he just repurposed it for. Backpack company. Is it a ram that he killed? That logo? Yeah, I think it was based off a ram he killed. It is a great logo. Definitely. Like it's very eye catching. Yeah, we get a lot of people. I mean, that's always a good thing. You want to have a good logo. I think you guys got a great logo as well. But we get a lot of people, especially at trade shows, that'll Mm. come to the booth and buy a hat and a t shirt and be like, I've never even heard of you guys, but that logo is awesome. Yeah, (laughs) sweet. It's good. That's great. We'll take your money. Yeah. But yeah, no, so it was born in Alaska. Um, Kurt's first pack design was when he was living in Alaska. He was really big into solo sheep hunting. Um, he has a, a very, I think, unique hunting style. I'd consider it unique. He's, he's mm-hmm. very much, I think there's lots of guys out there that are solo hunters, but there's also a lot of guys. I'm maybe more of a social hunter. I like to go with my buddies and my family and, and do things, but he's very much uh, kind of a nomadic solo hunter. So he's really big into solo sheep hunting. Um, when he lived up there, he, he, after working at the high school, he worked for BP oil up on the North slope hmm. for a really long time. So he spent a fair bit of his life in Alaska. What year would have that been? Like when he first started dabbling with his own pack? Um, it would have been like 2009. So we actually, I was working at Sitka at the time. And, and during that time, uh, Kurt was a stone glacier athlete for a very short period. Uh, at the time, you know, our pro athlete. Yeah. Sorry. Um, at the time, our sick athlete program was really about finding these people that weren't necessarily known or influencers or popular, but were just really passionate and, and skilled and good at what they do. And Kurt fit that mold pretty well. Um, and that's how we got to know each other. And that was about that time that he was kind of modifying his own packs. Stone Glacier didn't exist then, but he was messing with modifying existing designs and building his own his own packs. And then he started Stone Glacier in 2012. Gotcha. Yeah, so a few years. I was trying that. to think in 2009 because I remember what what pack would have you been using in 2009? Do you remember? I remember mine would have been a Badlands 4500. Yeah, the Badlands That's, one. With that the, was yeah. kind of. I think, I was, that, I, think yeah. I was using an MR Crew Cab. Probably, a Crew Cab, right right an early version of a Sika pack. Yeah. Yeah. that was kind of when we first started doing packs of Sika. And I remember I bought I bought an MR like one of the Camelback internal frame you know packs shortly after that. But I remember 09 for sure because my brother had a an elk tag in. 09 and I remember he killed a bull and we had a I had a 4500 Badlands and I had the head and a hindquarter <laughs> and I remember the frame broken too yeah and then you know no no shade on Badlands because I mean for the most part it did its job until I had 100 pounds in it sure. but yeah those stays broke and I remember distinctively thinking something's very wrong here. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny to think about that. I mean, to your point of we're getting old, I mean, that doesn't seem like that long ago and the innovation technology of, of all gear, but especially backpacks has changed so much since then. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, Mr. Ranch was making really quality packs at that time. 
But in the hunting space, there really wasn't anything. Yeah, there's else. kind of been a mad rush in the last yeah. maybe ten years or Absolutely. so, eight to ten years. That's why I was th- I was curious. I mean, at that point, it makes sense to me that he would have been exploring options for backpacks because I, I don't know out there. there yeah. I don't know what else was out there. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. I think that really was the precipice of it. And and what was what came of that and what really uh, set Stone Glacier off and, and was unique was. Um, he took an existing pack design and modified it and, and, and created the first load shelf concept mm. where the bag would separate from the frame. Um, and that again, and that now you look at it as an innovation um, and you go back and that's commonplace in all high end packs, right? And, yeah. and you think about backcountry hunting without a load shelf and it, you wouldn't even yeah. consider it. I mean, yeah, you can do it, but that's like almost a requirement now. Yeah. At the time it didn't exist and he was doing the types of hunts where he was going far enough into the backcountry that you weren't going to make multiple trips if you killed something, right? So it was all about, I need to stay as light as I can, but when I kill a sheep, I need to be able to take everything out in one trip. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't anything that could do that, that had the volume and the capacity to do that. And that was kind of how the load shelf concept was born, is to give you that extra capacity to put the the meat and the cape. And so was that first pack shelf. he built, Was that did he build that himself? So it just put it together in, yeah. his, in his garage, yeah. just kind of put, yep. it, put it together. And yeah, taught himself it. how to show, how so, to sew, and, and started modifying some packs and built the built the first so one. So he's a handyman himself. Very much. Oh, yeah. 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 Likes to tinker. Yeah. Build build anything very, like, yeah, technical and mechanical. Is he still, is he coming in, coming in the office pretty yeah. much every, oh, every day? He designs, every day. He's designed every one of our products, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's our lead designer. You know, our design team's expanding, and, and we have more people, but he's still the head designer. He still sews and prototypes every product we make, first sample, and, and can build yeah, from apparel to packs to everything. Yeah, wow. is he, Does he still seem to genuinely dig it? Like, is he still pretty oh, yeah. into it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Guy, yeah, he loves to hunt. And he loves to build stuff. So, yeah, he, he likes it. As long as you can keep him out of like the business stuff just, just, <laughs> just, yeah, he's pretty happy yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to be involved and no, kurt, kurt doesn't want no, to be involved no, in the business no, i mean he that. is and he's very good at it and he's smart and he will obviously do whatever the business needs but he'd prefer to just design cool stuff he which is why alone. our partnership worked well yeah. yeah um because i'm not a designer but my expertise and experience was in sales marketing business side so i think that's you hear about a lot of failed partnerships in business mm-hmm. i feel very fortunate him and i have always uh worked well together and I think it's because we kind of know we know our own roles and stay mm-hmm. in our own lanes so you knew him from from working with Sitka I guess right he was a, br- a brand ambassador an athlete Sitka athlete yep. like at what point did you guys did you guys decide together or was he trying to produce packs and go to market with them yeah no he started um, that's a good question it's an interesting story so he started Stone Glacier on his own um, and in his pack design that we we were just touching on he he was working by now he wasn't working in high school anymore he was working at bp oil and um and he designed this pack and he didn't have intentions of starting a company so he he took this pack design and sicko was one of the companies but to a handful of different companies and, and pretty much just offered to give it to him and said oh. hey here's here's this concept i made you guys should you guys should build it it'll work people will mm. buy it it's cool and, and it was really out, out of like selfishly to him i just want to, i just want to buy one that's yeah. professionally yeah produced and everybody kind of gave him the same spiel which is understandable of hey we already are kind of down our path we have our own designs our own processes so we found a factory um that we still work with today that would do a small production run for them um and i think the first run was only 60 packs hmm. and they built 60 packs um and he just sold he sold them to friends and family and when they were all gone he rolled that that money from those sales into 100 packs and 
um, just kind of kept it going. In the meantime, he his brand recognition, it was small, but people started to recognize, hey, this is a really good pack, really good product. It's unique. It's different than anything that's out there. Um, and he built a pretty good brand reputation on, mm-hmm. on the product. Um, subsequently, Sitka moved from California to Bozeman, where he lived. He was commuting back and forth from the North Slope to Bozeman, two weeks on, two weeks off. Um, and we became friends and just in, in town and the industry. And and I started to kind of get recognized, like, what well, he's created with Stone Glacier's got a lot of opportunity here. Like, he could do a lot more. So I just started picking his brain and asking him, what's what's your plan? What are you, uh, you going to do with Stone Glacier? What do you want? And he would genuinely say, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't just really like know. Just like the tinker, just yeah. like the build things. I don't know, just yeah. building packs. And by then he had, like, two or three different style packs. I think your 7400 that we were talking about yeah. earlier today was one of the first... Yeah, first styles. I was going to ask, how much do the frames and bags resemble today? Kind of that first first stage of the pack. Is yeah, it, is pretty similar. Honestly, pretty similar? they've improved quite a bit with small improvements, but but no major overhauls. I mean, it's the same functional foundation. You know, um, improvements in the stays, and you know, just just how product innovation mm-hmm. happens. You find little flaws or improvements, and you kind of mm-hmm. roll them in, but. It's pretty similar as far as design wise goes. Yeah, X frame. Yeah, but we have a lot more mm-hmm. styles now. I mean, gotcha. forever yeah. it was three styles of packs. We had the solo. Yep. Um, the seventy four hundred uh, and the archer. I think were the three three yeah. packs. Or we had one called the fifty one hundred, which was the seventy four hundred, just smaller. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so we then I, yeah, I just told them at some point in time if you're interested in in you know selling this business, partnering together, growing it, doing something else, let me know. And, and he eventually reached out and said, I, I don't know what to do with this now. You want to talk? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of how cool it happened. Story. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Did you have an eye for it? Like, the, I mean, when you saw that pack, did you, what, what was it about? Was it Kurt? Was it the pack? Was it using the pack? Like, what was it about that combination that for you, you were like, yeah, I think, I think there's something here. I think it was a little bit of everything. The first time I used um, a stone glacier pack was on a mule deer hunt in eastern montana and a, a buddy of mine one of kurt's friends had one of the first ones and um we just swapped packs for one of the pack outs and, and it was like wow this thing is really comfortable under heavy load it's pretty nice so that was part of it but i think a lot of it was was for me i'm a kind of a brand and marketing guy and i i just felt like there was an opportunity for the brand like it was strong there was there and you know you know my experience was from startup phase at Sitka to that point, a pretty successful, well-known brand. And, and I, I believed that that model could be replicated and I saw how powerful that was and how it worked. And I just felt like that, that he had created something that could do that again, which isn't easy to do. You got to have all the kind of the right pieces Mm -hmm. of the puzzle. But to me, it seemed like a no brainer. Like it was one that, you know, I kind of have an entrepreneur mindset. I like the business ideas and like, this would work or this or that or whatever. And that one just seemed like a no brainer to me. Like, Hey, this could be successful. Huh. I think it was because of all the things you mentioned, you got to have product quality, you know, you got to have all those pieces, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I think it's, inter- it's interesting. It's funny. I mean, as I'm sitting here talking and hearing you listen, it's, it's all in, I mean, same here at Go Hunt. It's interesting how the, the different personalities mesh together to create something that, you know, on your own, you could never really, you know, potentially do like, I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I have things that I do and things that I definitely can't do, you know, and oh, you, yeah. you have to have the, like the parts and pieces. And it's just, it's interesting to hear you talk about how you and Kurt kind of work together. You got one guy that's the design and kind of the eye for the product. And then another guy that's a brand guy and marketing and, 
you mesh the two together and you can like generate this momentum and movement to like really make something special. Yeah, well, so it's, the, it's the people cool. are, are everything, as you guys know. I mean, and, and it's mm. not just Kurt and I. We're really lucky. we got a yeah. lot of other really talented people. But, I mean, you can have the best product concept there is. The people behind it are really what, I think, create the culture and the brand and really mm -hmm. drive it to success. No you question. you got to have that. That's the execution side of it. Yeah. You know, all the good ideas in the world, the people are what help you execute on it. Yeah, absolutely. I would think for the I think a lot of people, like, when I talk to people about products or, just, you know, brands within our industry i think your name comes up a lot as like you guys have a great brand yeah it's clean it's it's a yeah, clean it brand um how much do you guys how do you talk do you talk internally about brand a lot is that like within your head and you kind of put that out there and you're like we're going to do this or that or like how do you manufacture a brand this is it's probably more business talk but i'm just yeah. I'm, I'm curious about branding and you know like yeah. operating a company within our space like how do you create brand and culture yeah, we, we talk about a lot. And first of all, I'm glad to hear that. I'll take that as a big compliment because that's really important to us. We, yeah, the brand is, um, I guess I'll say, you know, the brand is everything, obviously, you know, with the caveat, that there's a lot more to it, but that is so critical. And, it, and it, it underlies, and it's the common thread in everything we do. We look at products, new product launches. We look at marketing stories. We look at supporting different conservation groups or philanthropy, uh, look at our sales, our partners, you know, a partnership relationship like with Go Hunt, and, and it always comes back to, even if it's not discussed, there's kind of all this underlying thought of fundamentally, how does this impact the brand and what does this mean? Does it fit our brand values? Mm -hmm. um, is it who we are? Is it being true to what, you know, how we relate to our customer and who our customer is? So it's, it's pretty paramount. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I don't, I would agree with you, and I, I think that I would say uh, agree that we have a clean brand, but I don't even know really know what that means. I interesting enough, like how do you define that? I think it's a lot of good imagery, though. <laughs> like when I, when I see you guys' stuff, like your catalog or even on social media, like if I see an image, I'm like, that's a Stone Glacier image. I yeah. can definitely tell like right Like authenticity away. is yeah. something we always talk about, and especially in our space, not so much anymore, but I think when I first started working in this space, the hunting industry, uh, authenticity was lacking maybe like you'd see a lot of staged content mm -hmm, you'd mm -hmm. see ads from yep. bow companies that like yeah they're doing it in the summer yeah like yeah it's not off season I yeah. mean you could just tell it wasn't authentic and that was on that was honestly something that I think propelled Sitka to a lot of success is that was really critical and that was from the original founders Jonathan Jonathan and Jason about having real authentic content um, and that's something that we've carried with us and, and yeah. it has always been important. And you guys do that really well, too. I appreciate that. Yeah, clean brand to me is executing on the small, fine details. Like, that's yeah. when a brand gets messy is when they don't pay attention to, like, those fine little details. Yeah. And then it starts to, the feel for the brand gets wider than, you know, what is capable to be felt through media or marketing or imagery yeah. or any of that stuff, right? When you keep it, like, honed in and, and a honed-in feel, that's what it makes a clean brand to me. So those little small details. Yeah, I think that's a good definition. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think the challenge that happens with scale, and I think both of our businesses are at this at this point, and it's good. I think it's important to have the original leadership that understands that. But as you grow, um, those fine details are, are really about really come down to knowing your consumer and knowing mm -hmm. your market, and how do you scale your team and grow and still maintain. Yeah you know, the people that can identify that and that know that. Cause I, th yeah. I think a lot of businesses get so big that they have somebody now running PR or marketing or, or doing something that 
aren't in tune with the fine details, right? And they yeah. quickly get lost. Yeah. I think that's a challenge. No, I, that we I, should I, all I be compare, aware of. I compare business life to just an individual human life, right? It's like a human grows and gets better, but they still keep their same characteristics and strengths if you you know you're living the right way. A brand's the same way. It grows but you can get spun out and, and lose sight of, you know, who you are and what the brand, the brand is a character, right? Like a lot of people, when you build a brand and start a brand and, and it's growing, the brand is a character of itself, right? Yeah. The brand stand, it means something. It stands for something in the public. It has a personality. And if, when it gets too big and spun out, then the personality becomes egotistical and lost and yeah. right. And it have, you see it happen to brands all the time. Yep. And it's just, it's just like a human, right? If you're wildly successful as a human, you can get spun out and egotistical and lose sight of the finer things in life and you know, the smaller things in life and those types of things. Business, no different, right? When it's growing, that's yeah. the way I see it at least. Yeah. That's a good, that's an interesting analogy and I completely agree. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. Like, it's it becomes hard, yeah. like you start getting successful. You guys have had a ton of success and grown and you guys make unbelievable product. It's hard to not get a little right yeah. overconfident or take things for granted and right yeah. people do it all the time just in their day-to-day -day lives as well when they have a little bit of success yeah i think it's important to just always know who you are too and it's it's easy to like chase the shiny object if mm -hmm. you will right like oh yeah. oh there's a revenue opportunity there or we're, we're gonna go do that or this and but but to be able to continuously go back to the sounding board and really ask yourself is that is that who we are should we do that or is our energy better focused somewhere else? Cause there's opportunity cost to everything. Yeah. Um, and then you can just spread yourself too thin and then you lose your identity, right? Like yeah. who are you to, mm -hmm. to your core customer? You're, you're trying to be this to this guy and this to this guy and this to this guy. Yeah. And you're not really relating with any one of those core yeah. demographics. Is he taking a personal shot at me right now? <laughs> no, <laughs> not you. I was just wondering if no, that's honestly, <laughs> we're, we're, I'll be the first to admit and take the full, the full fault of it. But like, yeah, we're, we're kind of, I mean, I'm confident we're, we're still very clean and everything, but it's like, man, it's tough. You start shiny lures are in the water and you're like, man, we could do that. Yeah. We can do that too. We can do that too. And then all of a sudden you lift your head up and you're like, okay, <laughs> we're, we are spun Oh, well, out. I like think you people, guys do a good job with it. I mean, you're from my perspective, right? And I don't know the internal workings of your business model. This is just, just really what I see, but you guys got your hands in a lot of different things with insider maps in the store, but they're all focused yeah. on Core on values. one core, yeah, yeah, you know the Western Hunter, and and yep. you're not you're not chasing a bunch of different things, and I think that's really what's important is is can you still provide value to your customer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? we haven't we haven't gotten we haven't gotten out of control by any means, but it is like we got to take a deep breath and be like, okay, we got we have plenty. Let's stay focused, right? Yeah. These other shiny lures can. Well, it's go easy to want to go chase those things, yeah, right? Especially really if you easy. know that there are opportunities yeah. that can and be successful. And when you know it fits your core values, and you know you can support the customer, and you know the customer would appreciate it and want it, and we know we can support it in the right ways, and it's like, all right, well, we're we're good right now, though. Like, yeah. let's let's stay a little focused here. <laughs> I mean, that's well, timing is a lot of it tough. too, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's, a, it's it's an internal discussion always of when's the right time to to do X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. Like that, that's an opportunity we see, but should we go after it now with everything yeah. else we have going or can we table it and, and capitalize on it? And you're speaking exactly, you're plan. speaking to our headache right now. Yeah. And that's right where we're at. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I was just wondering if this conversation is going anything like you thought it would. <laughs> I, I didn't know what you guys wanted to talk about. <laughs> no, it's right when, he, right when he said that. I'm like, holy shit. I'm just that's kidding. Right where we are. No, I got that because I, I did want to, I did, I did want to, um, 
you know, commend you on the brand because I think Stone Glacier as a brand has done a, a phenomenal job. And I, I mean, I read, I read a headline. I don't know where I read it, but it said from the, I think this was from last year, the second straight year Stone Glacier's made Inc. Magazine's prestigious list of the fastest growing private companies in the country. And it's, I think it's a unique thing that somebody within our space, you know, it's a, a relatively small industry, if you will, and a smaller company, somewhat of yep. a, st- you know, startup that you guys have, have, grown the way that you have and i did i did i was curious to explore brand because i think you've done a i mean i I think people buy i think you make a nice product i think you make a great pack i think your apparel lineup you know you expanded it you know exponentially you've got all kinds of stuff and i think you do make a quality product but the fact that you've grown at the rate you have tells me that there's something more there than just the product yeah you know well i think yeah i appreciate that and i'm really glad to hear that and i think that is the the critical thing to successful growth businesses right and you mm-hmm. guys have done the same like the people want to be a part of it you're adding in in, in our marketing guy lyle who's very talented um, we talk about this a lot but besides the product that you provide what other value are you giving to your customers right your, your core brand followers mm-hmm. right what's the other value and it's not necessarily a tangible thing right it's yeah. like what is that relationship that that person has with the brand how do they identify with it like there's got to be more than just a transactional like you make a nice pack here's 500 bucks i'll take the pack it's great if if you want you don't have to like there's plenty of businesses that are successful not doing that but if you <laughs> want to have that kind of loyal following that you're talking mm-hmm. about and then i think propels you to a different size of growth like what else is it and, mm-hmm. and i think a lot of that then goes to the things we're talking about about the authenticity and the values and and wanting to be associated with something like they want to wear you want people to wear your logo on the hat i mean that's one of the most complimentary yeah. things yeah, I see as I'm is. walking through the airport yeah. and there's some random person wearing Absolutely. a stone glacier hat. It's like, that's freaking cool, man. That guy could be wearing any other hat, but he feels connected enough with something about the brand that he wants to wear that every day. So th- that's something we, we discuss a lot is what is that and how do we continue to leverage that? Mm-hmm. How do we touch people in that way where they're like, uh, it's more about more than the product. Like I want to mm-hmm. be associated mm-hmm. with it. I, I, I'm not, I'm no business expert, so I can't pinpoint what it is. Sounds like but, you are. But, I mean, we, but we, <laughs> we've been fortunate that we've been I couldn't write a book and explain how to do it and replicate it. And I don't know. <laughs> but you guys do it well, too. I see go on stuff all over. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember Brady and I last year, we went to uh, Kansas. We flew into Kansas City. We went and did a, a, a goose hunt. And do you remember there was a guy in a go hunt hat in Kansas City Airport? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, And I remember sure. thinking, like, holy shit. We're in the middle of the Midwest. Yeah. We're and the guy's wearing our hat. Every, like, should be cool. every once in a while, I'll see somebody like, you know, at a sporting event in a crowd, you know. Yeah, it's, I've noticed it too. I'll give you one little, uh, one of our little secret playing cards that's worked really well for us. And you guys are welcome to steal it if you want. But we give all of our employees $25 gift cards. And if they see somebody randomly wearing a stung lace or something, we encourage them to go up to that person and say, Thanks for, thanks for repping the brand. Here's 25. Next hat's on us. Here's 25 bucks. That's, that's, cool. people, that's a golden egg idea. Right people there. love it, man. They're huh. so stoked when. And they're like, who, who are you? And like, oh, I work for Stone Glacier. And just that's sweet that you're wearing that. They're like, oh, they're, they're stoked. Yeah, they're, yeah that's they're, awesome. They're I mean, loyal that, that brand right? yeah. after yeah. that even more now. Even more, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, that is cool. Yeah. Hmm. Well, cool. But, oh, yeah, uh, on that point, I did. I tried to snap a picture the other day. Um, it was in Bozeman driving to work. I didn't get it in time. I was going to text it to Porter. But a guy in front of me had a Go Hunt sticker and a Stone Glacier sticker on his back glass of his truck. And I was like, yeah, that guy knows what's up. Yeah, that guy, <laughs> that guy gets it. He, that, that guy was gets it. Yeah. Guarantee that guy kills a lot of animals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True story. He's driving That's around cool. Bozeman somewhere. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I like awesome. those guys. 
Uh, I was going to jump over to PAX. Did you, you, you want to yeah, talk about PAX? No, I want to talk about PAX, yeah. So I'm, I was going to ask... I'll you lead it, and I'm going to jump in with my okay. PAX question. Okay, I was going to ask you, I know that you... Was your X-Frame your first pack you came with, or was it the Crux? Crux frame. Crux frame. Yep. Yep, and then you came with the X-Curve. Yep. So currently, like, what, what frames do you have in your lineup, and can you give just people an idea on what yep. frame they might choose when and why? Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a good question, and a, a more complicated question to answer than, than you would think. Um, the, the simple answer is there's not really a wrong answer, which is a good thing, but we offer three frames now, um, the Crux frame, the X-curve frame and then the R3 frame. The R3 frame is essentially a crux frame. It's the same foundational setup, but it has some different attachment points for military applications. So we do a, a small military business, um, and that's really focused on that. So for hunting applications, we're really talking about the crux frame and the X-curve frame. They both have the same load carrying capacity. They both have an integrated load shelf. They are both uh, can be used with any of our bags interchangeably. Um, the main difference comes down to uh, the shape of the frame sheet. Yeah. So as the name would imply, the X-curve frame has a curved shape that kind of matches the curve, natural curvature anatomically of, of a human's back. And then the crux frame is more like traditional backpack frames. It's just straight. Um, and, and really what that is about is distributing weight on your hips more effectively mm -hmm. based on how your body is shaped. Um, with that said, both of them are very comfortable under heavy loads and it's pretty minute detail about your body shape and size that would swing you one way or the other and and we would say this one may be more comfortable on you than this one but neither of them are going to be discomfortable or uncomfortable yeah. if you it's, will it's always been hard for me to tell which one actually you know i can i can wear both of them just just great right and, brady, and most brady people likes can. the flat one the one that's yeah just yeah but do you when you go back, back and forth with, <laughs> you put 30 40 pounds one and you yeah. try one on if another one do you have a preference no <laughs> <laughs> i think it's always x curve i think i was leaving yeah. more do sure you that. have a preference so for me like i don't have very good posture and so my one-on-one -on -one brain would tell me that the x curve would be better for me then yeah because I, I just I'm a hunched over. Yeah. I just that's my natural. <laughs> yeah. Where Brady is straight up, like I like yeah. always having good posture. I try yeah. to have good posture everywhere, but you, I mean, what's, you have very good posture. <laughs> what's what's the easiest way to tell like which one to go with? Well, so this customer? so this has been an interesting learning for us too. So um, so the the crux frame um, started it was Kurt's original design to your to your back to your point of the first frame. Yeah. It was straight stays, um, and we made the extra frame because we're finding on certain people that you know, under heavy loads, that lumbar pad feels like it's slipping down. We've mm -hmm. all experienced this, I think, okay. with different yep. packs of, you're constantly trying to cinch it up and get it to seat on your hips well. The X-curve frame comes in and, and that lumbar pad is now angled more towards your, your lumbar. So it's gonna sit on there um, better. What was interesting to us, right, that was just intuitive. Okay, let's make a curved frame. Other people have done it um, and that makes sense. Um, and we thought, okay, if you have a curved back, you're going to want an X-curve frame. If you have a straight back, you're going to want a straight mm -hmm. frame. So we do silly things and test internally with our guys who measure and people put standing up against the wall and see how much of a gap you have yeah, between your right. back. You didn't um, have them lay down on the floor and roll a, roll a barbell <laughs> over them? <laughs> is, that, is that what they do now? You guys know. Oh, I <laughs> know. Guys, you I guys know. act like you don't know, but you know. <laughs> oh, I know. But so we um, we've been asking ourselves the same question for a long time because this is something that is not easy to communicate to customers, right? We're primarily a direct to consumer business. If you could fit somebody in a pack, like trade shows are great for us, right? If you can, if you ever ever have the opportunity to come to a trade show and come by our booth, like we will put sixty pounds in both the frames and put them on you, 
and you could just tell us that one feels more comfortable to me. Now, that's the best thing you can do. But when you're shopping online, that's obviously not that easy. Mm -hmm. So we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how do we communicate this to customers and videos and, and online and, and what's the test or how do you try? So we, we recently, in the last year, started talking to a friend here in Bozeman that's a chiropractor and he's a sports medicine doctor and trying to learn about like the shape of the back and just trying to get his perspective, like somebody a little bit more yeah. educated and professional than us on like, it's just slightly uh, more educated. Yeah. How do we, yeah, just slightly, <laughs> how do we communicate to customers? Like what's the easiest way to distill this down to something that's, that's easy for somebody to understand. And, and what we learned from it was almost the exact opposite of what we had thought. Um, and is if you have a straight back, the curved frame is probably going to sit on your hips better. Hmm. And if you have a straight back or a curved back, the straight frame is going to sit on it because of the, how the shape comes and how that lumbar falls. So, oh, okay. so if you have a curved back, right, you're going to end up, you know, that lumbar is not going to be pushing in as much and sitting yeah. on your frame. So it's, it's counterintuitive to what we expected. Mm -hmm. Um, and we went through and kind of just did a unscientific test with all of our employees you know, determine who's got a curved back, who's got a straight back. The chiropractor kind of helped us determine the easiest way to tell that and how did everybody try them on and, and did the data. And sure, sure enough, it was, it was correct. So hmm. I'm not sure if that matches what, what you guys find. Well, I mean, you it, did say that you have like an X curve. I have an X curve. And I, I assume I you have a straight it. back. You're I a taller back. Guy. I love yeah. that pack. Yeah. So it would make sense. But yeah, I don't know. So I, I didn't really answer your question. There's not, there's, but what I was no, going to ask did. is, do you have do you have a data set that you you would be able to tell somebody like, hey, if you stand against a wall on this, you have a curved back? Yeah, that, like that was the kind of the whole, the whole that was that's the intent of the output of this whole project. We haven't finalized it, come yeah. out with it yet. But that is the the idea of like, let's try to work with a better fit guy. Yeah, yeah, a better fit guy chiropractor and yeah. come up with a way where guys can do that without having to physically yeah. try both yeah. on. But then, of course, there's some so outliers, there's, right? Uh, where there's, there's some. Well, there's other differences between yeah. the two frames, right? The one is a little heavier. One's lighter. More, yeah. One's lighter. One's a little heavier. Yeah. The other one's a little beefed up in the hip belt, right? Yep. Yeah. The, the crux. Yeah. Or, uh, the, the X curve. The X curve. They have the same hip belt, um, but the stays are just, and that's where the weight gotcha. comes in. The stays are uh, solid carbon, <clears throat> where the crux, they're hollow, hollow carbon. Tube. It's a little bit beefier. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a complicated one, and lots of other backpack companies have their different ways of, of trying to do it. You know, most backpack companies have multiple frames for different fits and different ways of measuring torso length and seeing what fits there. I think some people even played around. I think Osprey for a long time had the the style back where you can mold it to your back, almost like a ski boot. Yeah. So know. there's been lots of lots of people trying to figure that out, and yeah, I'm not sure anybody's really yeah, hit the out. bullseye it, on yeah. it yet. So it's something that we're trying to do. I mean. But what I always communicate to customers is, one, we, we got a great return policy, as you guys do. If you try one on, it's not used, right? You can send yeah, it back yep. try the other one on. And we want to, we, ultimately, we want our customers to have the one that's going to be the most comfortable. Yep. So we'll, we'll work with people on that. Um, but you can't. They're both going to be comfortable, like to your point. I, I can, I can, I can I'm, I'm the same way. I can wear both. And yeah. I think I have a preference of like, eh, if I had to choose, I'd use that one. But neither of them are uncomfortable, mm -hmm. and they both carry weight well. Which one's your preference? I like an X curve. I like an X curve. Yeah. Yeah. That's my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just seems to fit better. And it's the curve in it that I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just something about it just as comfortable. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of, I think probably 70% of our employees like a crux. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Weirdos. So, yeah. <laughs> straight, straight weirdos. You evaluate their employment when you get back. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of guys are just after the lightest setup too. Sure. Yeah. Which is a valid point. Like if you're that yeah. customer yeah. that wants the lightest setup, 
then I would I wouldn't even worry about trying both on because I'm confident the crux is going to be comfortable on you, and you should just go with that. It's not that much lighter, but it's going to save you a couple ounces, right? So, so there's a few ounces then. Yeah, difference. A few ounces, yeah. Yeah. One question I wanted to ask you as you were talking was you said load, was it load capacity? 150 pounds, is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, that's, how, what, that's how what we rate them to. What, what is that? I mean, how, how do you test that? Do you? We, we put, them again, unscientific, put a bunch of weights in them and, and test them until they break. And honestly, we... Um, is that on, on, the, on the frame or the on stitching? Both, on or? the frame. Yeah, well, it's whatever would fail first. Gotcha. But we've had over 300 pounds in them without having any failure points when it's strapped, how it would be strapped to your back. But really what we designed packs for is to carry 80 to 100 comfortably. I think we all know if once you get over 80 pounds, honestly, especially over 100, like, yeah, it's just going to be just nothing sucks. matters. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> just, really. Yeah, it doesn't really die, matter. It's going to be miserable and you want to get to the truck. Yeah. But if we can if we can engineer a pack to distribute 80 pounds on your hips comfortably um, and proportionately, um, that's kind of where we find the sweet spot is and what we're trying to achieve for, for the customer. And, and we, I think we've all also had packs that aren't designed for that. And you put a elk quarter in and it's mm. very obvious mm -hmm. that they suck and they're uncomfortable so yeah but but innovations come a long ways and there's a lot of pack companies now making really quality packs that distribute the weight well and can carry heavy loads comfortably for long distances which for a long time it, that wasn't really the case yeah yeah i always love it when somebody either makes the comment or asks the question you know what what pack can I carry comfortably a hundred pounds in? And I'm not, like, yeah, not. <laughs> and I've never had a hundred pounds on my back in a backpack. And comfortable. Carry, carry it for any distance where I just thought yeah. that thing was super comfortable. Yeah, that did so well. Man, I feel light as, light as a feather. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, is, it is funny that 80 pounds is kind of like the, that's the break where it's just like everything above that. You don't even notice. It just sucks. Yeah. Just, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, they, they do carry differently. I mean, yeah. and I will say one of the biggest reasons I've been a proponent of Stone Glacier packs and I've used them for so long is I think I'm still using the same one that I bought it. I bought it at the Western Hunt Expo in 2017. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I still have that pack, but it's uh, just kind of the position of load shelf, the distance yeah. that kind of sits up off the base of the hip belt. It just gives me the ability to secure a quarter or a bag of meat like higher up on a back. And it just frees my hips up because that's where it tends to yeah, hurt the worst for thing. me is like yeah. when I get a lot of weight on my hips, yeah. if that sits at the base of the pack and it just kind of pulls at the front part of my hips and it just wears me out over miles. Whereas you guys' pack, I'm able to like secure that load higher up my yeah, back. Yeah, and that's yeah. honestly half the battle is just the leverage yeah. that's created by where you yeah. place the weight. Mm -hmm. um, and we've done some, again, unscientific tests on that. We have a blog post, I think, that maybe we just did recently that's pretty interesting just showing how that works. But simply... One, having a pack that, that is capable of keeping the heaviest load, which when you kill something is the meat, mm -hmm. close to your back and in the right spot mm -hmm. um, is, is really critical yeah. to your comfort, right? Yeah. It's just the leverage that you're going to feel pulling off of you and how it's going to sit on your yeah. hips. I also like it too because it opens the door to use that to carry your gear in. Like you can sure. use that area and not throw it in your main bag, have a smaller main bag yeah. and throw a bunch of your food right there and carry it in that way. And then you're going to eat that food then the way out. Yep. Well, that's where the meat's going to go. Yeah, and that and that's why I think a lot of and Mission Ranch has been very successful in the military with their load shelf packs, and and we're seeing some of the same as they uh, in the military application. They're putting all sorts of equipment in the load shelf, right? Mm -hmm. Motor mm -hmm. tubes, breaching charges, all sorts of different things that are heavy. Um, so you want them close to your back, and then also would take up lots of capacity in your bag. You want to be able to carry. So the load shelf is is. Um, I'd say it's a pretty game-changing innovation it in the really pack is, yeah. world in general 
over the last 10 years. It allows or me to carry out everything. Right. Like yeah. I can carry out boned out meat, hide, throw rack on top, all yeah. my camping gear. And the funny thing is you still don't even really see it much, which I guess it's just because the application isn't as great as, as hunting, but you don't really see it much in the outdoor space. But guys are, I mean, you can pack your tent, your food, your everything yeah, oh in yeah. there. I mean, guys are packing pack rafts in the load shelf for pack rafting trips. Do you get a lot of people but, that are non-hunters, like stopping in and looking at the backpacks, or is it mainly the hunting crowd? Not a ton, yeah. but, but we don't, I mean, we don't really market much yeah. our brand to non-hunters. Mm-hmm. But the people that do like cross over and like they you see said, it, though, like you, they're like, this is way better than any backpack yeah. in the outdoor space. A pack and it is. especially. Like, yeah. Those guys would crush it. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, through hikers, I mean, there's a big opportunity where... I, I, for whatever reason, just the pack quality in the outdoor space is is behind the hunting space. And I think mm-hmm. in general, with gear innovation forever, outdoor space was ahead of hunting. But recently, I think all the hunting companies are innovating at a higher level, making better products in the outdoor space. Yeah, the mm-hmm. last 10 years, I would agree. Yeah. For sure, I would agree. And it's just it's because of the end use, right? You're Necessity. Just, yeah, you're just doing more extreme things on a hunting trip than a backpacking trip, right? Mm-hmm. Backpacking trip, you stay on the trail. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to point A and B. Hunting. You're on your own schedule, your yeah. own time. Hunting, own you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? So I think that innovation has kind of surpassed it. And, and hopefully, I think it'd be great if, if the consumer starts to recognize that. And I think they are. There's a lot of people starting to come to hunting brands to look for, for different products, but, but not at yeah. a significant level yet. I was reading, um, I know, I think I've run into you before at summer OR shows, so the summer oh, yeah. out, outdoor retailer shows, right, which is yep. kind of the, you know, the hippie get-together for outdoor rec crowds, and, you know, you get to look at materials, but I was reading the summer OR show just was going on, what, last week, I think? Maybe it was last, last week, Last yeah. weekend in Salt Lake. So I was reading through just press release going through, you know, like new products and I, one of the one of the new product releases, and I can't even remember, but I was shocked when it said... Um, you know, backpacking and, you know, hunting. And it actually said hunting and it called it out. And I, th- I remember reading that and thinking that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago when yeah, I first started cool. going to that show. Like, Do you remember what it, who it was or what I can't it was remember. For? I'll go back yeah. and find it because I have it in my email somewhere. But I remember reading the paragraph and thinking, I don't think I would have seen that 10 years ago when I was at that show, like, or, or from ah. a press release from that crowd. Yeah, like, absolutely uh, not. No, I think that's a cool thing. I hope that can, trend continues. Mm-hmm. I think a big driver of that is, is over that same period, you know, the um, kind of the interest from non-hunting crowds of, of organic, you know, sustainably harvest food, if you will, right? Yeah. And, and there's been definitely been an interest. I, I wonder if you guys see it with your customer bases of not your traditional hunters wanting Absolutely. to get into hunting. I think it's a mixture of, of a lot of clean brands. Like there is a lot of brands that have come out, right? Sitka was a good start of it. You know, that, that 10 year, what was that, 13 years ago, 2010, yeah. right? And it's like it is the imagery has been cleaned up the vibe has been cleaned up the sustainable conservation message is uh, is way more pushed than like the trophy hunting badass who's killed you know right. all this big stuff it's really been i think it's been cleaned up a lot just yeah. from you know brands like you guys and us and sitka and a handful of others and it's really cleaned it up to now what's i feel like it's more acceptable yeah than it's ever been i mean it's pretty you know that's a non-scientific <laughs> stab at it but honestly oh, i, I really do now like when you, i talk to people now i feel like it's more it's more accepted if you want to gauge for it go to a, a summer or show yeah i mean and you can yeah. compare it i mean i remember i think i can't remember the first year i went to that but it's been a good number of years ago and i remember well i ran into jason harrison you know from Kuyu, yeah. you know in between and um he was at that show but i remember walking into booths and you know i, I can't remember 
I think I worked for Hunt and Fool at the time, and I think mm-hmm. my badge said Hunt and Fool. But, and I remember people looking at it and being like, "What? You know, yeah. what do you do?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I work for this hunting company. You know, I'm just looking for new gear and you know, interesting stuff." And oh, uh, you know, they kind of you know point at the door. Point, yeah, didn't really want a whole <laughs> lot to do to me with me. But um, you know, going back as of you know maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, the last one I think I went to was in Denver, but you know, you'd walk into a booth and you know, my go hunt badge and you know, who do you work for and what do you do? Oh, I work for this hunting company. Oh, and most people would be like, Oh, I've never been hunting, but I really would like to go. I would like to try yeah. it. I remember I took a, an Uber to the airport and there was a, with, you know, I took a, a share with a girl and she worked for some, you know, company that was, you know, definitely not, yeah. you would not think hunting friendly, but in, you know, a 45 minute conversation, all she had is questions about hunting. Yeah. You know, why do you do it? Where do you go? How do you do it? And just wanted to understand the whole thing. And like that conversation, like she wouldn't have even, I don't think been open to it, Yeah. you know, seven or eight years ago. So yeah, it's that, definitely felt like awesome. a flip to me. Well, well that's what we need to like preserve. I mean, obviously yeah. there's always going to be the anti-hunting demographic and people yeah, that always. just aren't, aren't going to, be open-minded to it but the more of that that we could foster and, and have you know collaboration on both sides and that, yeah that's gonna be important for the future hunting honestly well, if you just look back like pre-2010 like i remember under armor when they were kind of the first big whatever remember their magazine ads it was always lethal it was a black page always lethal and white and then oh, like yeah. blood splatter across yeah, yeah. Yeah. i mean that's what it was that's <laughs> yeah. what hunting was the super deep voices yeah. Yeah, i'm thinking oh, yeah. of all the broad hair yeah. yeah like yeah. all the broad head dirt dirt nap, yeah, let the air out of them and all this like, all yeah. this crazy <laughs> you look, yeah you're right i think the hunting you industry back, like oh i, I we've gone soft it, you know it's like oh i think we've i think we've at a certain point that internally in the hunting industry we realized that like yeah maybe that marketing might work to your customer at a certain level or extent but it's not the longer term view and the broader view it's it's not good look for our business and our industry yeah, and, yeah, and there's hunters. a better way to tell that story and still effectively sell your customers where you it, can part of our responsibility is to message what we do the right way right authentically Absolutely. out of love and out of conservation out of protection all this stuff it's like in, over the last, you know, since 2010, I think it's changed the market has done a really good job of telling the story through sustainability and conservation mm-hmm. and, you know, eat what yeah. you kill kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think yeah, the I onset, I mean, you guys are a leader in the media world too, right? And media does a good job and, and I think we do a good job, but everybody's done better in their content creation and their media mm-hmm. and their films Education too. within yeah. their content. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and like being you know, having the right lens on, on what you do show and you don't show and how you show it and how you talk about it and, yeah, and making know. sure that, you know, you're having the right level of respect for the environment and the animal and, and mm-hmm. all that goes a long ways. Yeah. And it's on all of us that work in the industry that we kind of have onus to, yeah. to do that. And there has been a big shift. You're absolutely right. I think it's on all, all hunters in general, honestly. Right. I mean, you can either be an asshole and tell people we kill shit or you can think about the future and be like man i want my kids to be able to hunt like i do and yes i do kill shit and i'm yeah. super happy to do it but that's not what i'm necessarily going to say to this person you know <laughs> yeah. like yeah you know it's not yeah. how i'm going to message that yeah <laughs> just you know be message it a certain way yeah. i want my kid to be able to do it so yeah you know yeah yeah i think i wrote i think i wrote an article for go hunt and i may have stole this from somebody else but i think in the article i said essentially that our ability and our kids ability to go hunting in the future those decisions will be will be made largely by people who never hunt yeah and oh, it, yeah. it's those, those people you know in the middle and they can they'll probably never hunt but they can lean one way or the other and vote you know they can be in favor of it say yeah i, I may not hunt but i see the value it. in it yeah. and the tradition mm-hmm. and you know yeah. for what it is the value and, and vote that way or they can be you know anti 
So yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think about it nearly enough, but it's probably something we all should think about more often. I just yeah. try to keep it top of mind, like know anyway. your audience, kind of a thing, right? You yeah. know. Yeah. And I'm with my buddies. Yep, I kill shit and I love it, and that's what I'll say. But yeah. <laughs> walk and do somewhere else. Yeah. So I go hunting. I do this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's an important point. It absolutely is. You guys got into uh, apparel, right, from PAX? Was that kind of the next step for you guys? Yeah, I think technically our next, our first product we launched after PAX was tents. Oh, gotcha. Um, then apparel, um, which apparel has been uh, really important for us. And I mean, that was, we were probably working on apparel um, for the longest time. I um, wanted to know, were you the guy behind the, the no camo? I am, yeah. Are you, <laughs> why no camo? <laughs> I just, uh, I just always, (laughs) I don't hate camo and I don't, (laughs) I don't judge anybody that wears camo, but I just always, in my years of experience working in the industry, I just always saw a growing trend, um, especially amongst like, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to use the word elite, but more experienced hunters, more passionate, experienced hunters of just not necessarily relying on camo as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they'd still use it here and there, but it wasn't critical. It wasn't a critical piece to their success and that tent, that trend, um, I just saw growing and an opportunity for somebody to kind of just own that piece of the puzzles, right? So, I mean, even before I was involved in Stone Glacier and Kurt and I were just talking, that was always a strategy in my mind. It's like, mm. hey, this brand could be the brand that when we start making gear and clothing, it's just all solids. I think that, and we would resonate with the customer. And that wasn't a stretch for Kurt because he was already making packs and never used camo. Yeah. It was just, they were just gray packs. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you look at a lot of guides and outfitters who live on the mountain, right? Not a ton of them wear camo, just not, you know, mm-hmm. probably for various reasons. There's also this growing trend, which maybe is unique to Montana, probably definitely unique to Western states of, of people just don't want to be identified as hunters, not because of the reasons we're just talking about anti-hunting, but more so for yeah. uh, where I'm hunting, right? Yeah. Like so if somebody see sees today? me at the trailhead, yeah, yeah I don't, stay quiet. I'm walking yeah. to my truck at the trailhead and I'm in full camo. People are like, oh, there must be elk in there. Yeah, or right. what are you doing? You know, or, or you cross paths with somebody on the trail and obviously you're going to have a bow or a gun with you, but you just look a little bit more incognito. You go to the gas station in some little hodunk town, right? It must be impossible a, for people in Bozeman to gauge who, who who's they a can, hunter and who's who not. They <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you guys get that? I mean, that's real, right? No, that's just a Montana yeah. thing? I mean, you're, you're speaking to why <laughs> no, you're I, real. I started to transition. This <laughs> yeah, all. It's, yeah, you go to the gas station, you go to the restaurant, and yeah. it's just, you, you, you don't want... Well, so where are you hunting? What'd you see? Because I'd also don't like to lie to people either. Like, right. it doesn't make me feel good to lie. I don't <laughs> like to lie. feel bad. I'm a feeler kind right. of person. And people don't know that's a weird question to ask. And yeah. certain, I mean, if you're a hunter, you it's know, not, you don't ask that question. But otherwise, yeah. it's like, how much money do you make? How many cattle do you have? You know, type yeah. of a question. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, too, though, like I always have like, oh, you have this great pair of pants you love, but it's in camo. And they're like, well, now I got to buy another pair because I want to be able to wear it in town. Where if you just have it all in solace to begin with, you can wear that. Renting, you can go into town on a date and wear the same pants yeah. or a well, rain and that, and that was another important and, piece of the whole decision was we want to make gear that people it's expensive stuff, right? That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, make that's gear what you I can use with. for everything. You can or it's skiing. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can ski in camo, obviously, but you feel comfortable wearing our gear for any outdoor activity that it's built for. It's built for it's a layering system for yeah. high activity pursuits. Yeah. You know, we focus on hunting, but it's equally applicable for backcountry skiing and you know, backpacking, hiking around town. Yeah, it's that it, when you spend that kind of money on gear, you, it, it is, you know, just mentally you're like, oh, I'd wear this way more than the three hunts I have this year. Yeah, you know, right. like, and it, it just, I don't know, yeah. it's more of a motivating factor when you go to buy it. That's that solid yeah. trend in my in my opinion. Yeah, and we, all, we also always wanted, like, you see 
you know, lots of us, I think all of us probably do it to a certain level, but you have your hunting gear and then you're going to work throwing on a Patagonia puffy or, or an Arcteryx jacket or something. We also saw an opportunity for, Hey, I think hunters would rather wear hunting brands. Yeah, I don't like want to support Patagonia. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. I don't want to do that. Well, you wear that, but you're wearing that jacket to work that you wear every day more than you're wearing your hunting gear. Right. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. want to, you know, take that closet share space too of, of the customers. Yeah, gear list. It sounds like if Jeff sees two gripping grins and one guy's wearing completely solids, he automatically assumes that guy's the better hunter. Because yeah, that guy's better. Duh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but I, do, I, I do have one. I do have one comment. One thing, Mel. I do feel like there is still a need. You guys can. I actually want just kind of a poll from you guys right now. But like, I do feel like there is a, a need for camo still, and it's archery hunting. Like I do, you know what I mean? Like I do think it's that slight last. movement you might be. Well, like, let me, you know, do, you, do you agree? I no, I agree. Let I've, me give I've you worn, a, I've uh, worn camo tops and, and I've worn solid. Archery hunting. Yeah, archery hunting. Yeah, and it's I, like, and I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Cause I think elk when they're running are dumb. I, uh, you, I said it, Brady. I think oh, a big elk guy. Don't, <laughs> don't write that down. I, I think write that down. Elk, I th- Trace says elk or no. I think they're your favorite. Which translates to easy to kill? <laughs> easy, easier to kill when they're running. Okay, I think when, when, a, superior. when a bull comes you'll in and he's looking for cows and another bull bugling, I don't I think you could be standing there in your birthday suit and be totally okay. I just I they just they're love struck. It's my favorite podcast ever, Trace. So I, I, uh, I think it's probably less important, but I think for like a mule deer spot and stock, something like that, I, I think I think it might account. This is just, and again, I can't prove it per se, but I think it might give you that extra half second, extra second, yeah. when maybe your image is I'll, a little I'll give bit broken you, up. Um, a, a food for thought point. Right? I don't, I don't have anything to back this up. But first, I'll answer your question. I don't think there's anything wrong with using camo, um, and I think that absolutely can. Lots of I, I've killed. Plenty of things with a bow without camo, turkeys, everything, right? But here's my food for thought. Do you ever have you ever found yourself? And this is a theory I've just been trying on people, so this will be the first time in like a public forum. So maybe I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll look like go. an idiot. Um, have you ever found yourself when you're in camo, hunt a little more foolishly and make mistakes because you think Ooh. that you have a certain level of you know protection mm. or or cover, if you will, camouflage that. And when you're not wearing camo, you might be a little bit more careful and be a smarter, better hunter and a little more cognizant of your movement and your wind and your approach. Basically, saying not getting lazy in mental thought. Yeah, I found myself leaning on it before. Right, yeah. I worked yeah. for one of the biggest camo companies for ten years almost. Right. Yeah, I found myself leaning on it like I'll just sit right here in the open. I'm yeah, in camo. I'm, yeah, right. Or I'll try this or that. And when I'm not in camo, I'm like I, I'm not going to do that. I would never hmm. do that. And maybe just be a little more analytical about your approach I on your stuff. I mean, I can't something spe- to think about. There we go. Yeah, I can't specifically say like <clears throat> I know for a fact I've gotten late. I'm I'm sure I have honestly. Just I'm a can get lackadaisical just. I don't know it's if it's because of the camo or not, but I've definitely gotten lazy. Yeah, well, well sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But right. I guess my right. point is at some level, sometimes I feel like the camo might give you a false sense of security yeah. at I a just, certain level, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, Something I, about. Can't see me. I'm camo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, very, very non-scientific, very just a one-time run at this, but I was hunting sheep with Clay Hill in Colorado this mm-hmm. last year. And I mean, sheep are known for better eyesight than anything else. And when they're banded up early season, not in the rut, like they're, they're tough. Right. And it was an archery only hunt and we were both wearing solids and we were getting our asses kicked. I mean, you could say it from being lazy. You could say, say it from being idiots, getting over aggressive. Sometimes they're banded up. I mean, why sometimes we got aggressive. I don't know. 
but we threw camel on and it, it could have been a, <laughs> a mental thing. We had one of the guys we were with is like, listen, I'm all for solids, but like there's a place for camo, I think. And yeah. I think it's archery hunting. And I'm like, you know, I have thought that it was almost like I wanted to prove it wrong in my mind. Sure. Kind of thing. Cause I agree with elk. I've archery hunted elk in, in solids. <laughs> Yeah, you shot that bull with you. You were head to toe solids, and that bull about ran you over. And it about it about ran me over. <laughs> he was in and love. He was he was in love <laughs> with you. <laughs> Just sweet talking to him, and he about ran me over. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I'm like, yeah, guy, I think you're right. You know, and I, I, I like I told you in the meeting earlier, I was a huge proponent of solids only because I'm like, man, if you're a good enough hunter, you don't need camo kind of yeah. thing, right? And it became a joke within the office. Cody Smith was working for us at the time. And it just became a, a thing, right? Like, oh, they think I'm a park ranger. They're just going to walk up to me anyways, right? I'm going to wear <laughs> sure. all green. And anyways, <laughs> man, we, we threw on camo and we, we got a lot closer, a lot more. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I couldn't look you guys in the eye. I mean, we're all experienced hunters here and, and tell you that one way or the other with any it's analytical bias or data you but get these things in your head oh yeah, yeah. absolutely and i'm like man oh now. we just had this conversation the other day about i'm sure you guys have similar about archery equipment and bows where i feel like i've just had bows that i kill shit with and ones that suck oh we've talked about and this. it's like and it's just but, but, <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being pointed at same conversation for good, for good i've had bows that i've sold that i would go back and probably pay <laughs> twice retail value for to get them back Look, just because they lorenzo's i don't know they just worked yeah i mean he's i going, have a bow he's going on a stone sheep hunt in 32 days 32 days <laughs> which i mean stone sheep you know you think about what the opportunity that that is oh, the yeah. stone sheep hunt and lorenzo's going with a bow yeah, you don't that screw that pr- up huh? produced in what two, 2016 <laughs> something yeah, like that 2016 long time ago yeah halon x and he just absolutely loves it but i yeah. can't set it down i yeah. mean we matthews is a great company they're they're awesome they're great to work with we shoot a lot of their bows yeah um it's the bows we we believe in and we've shot as individuals for a long time and so they you know they'll send us some new bows try it out let me know what you think yeah, you like i cannot yeah. switch yeah. i have since 2016 to 2023 i've had a new their new bow every year since yeah. And I just, I, and is I it, can't do I it. I mean, is it like, uh, that's what I was, what we were joking about in our office. Is that, is that superstition or is there something to that? It's, yeah. Is it's there a, like, is it just both, mental? It's both. It's both. It's, it's, both. Yeah. it's, it's one just of those biases. It's one of those. <laughs> yeah. You just, you develop biases in yeah. your head, right? Everyone does. Right. And that's where, you know, you can lose yourself. The comment about business and being a person growing and you can lose sight of things. You just yeah. get biased. You get jaded by things. You, I've been very successful with it. So it's like, it's yeah. just biasly yep. pushed me. And I don't know. It's yeah. weird. It's not funny. That works. I mean, I've, I can, I think I can think of a specific, this was a few years ago, but at the time, brand new bow that the first time I shot an animal with it, I whiffed a freaking nice bull. And what it was for was no it? fault of the bow, but it my own. It was a Hoyt, right? No, no, it was Matthews. <laughs> no, it was not. It was not a Matthews. So uh, any other bow but that. But, but my bow is also a Matthews, and it's oh, an yeah, old yeah. one. It's yeah. an old Chill R. I don't even know how old oh, that is yeah. now. But that bow I've killed so much stuff with. How old was how that? Old that was that? a long time ago. It was like wildly old. Oh, that's like 12 years old probably. Yeah, it's, oh, it's pretty old. The Chill R. I still have it. I won't get rid of that one because I've sold a couple other that I felt a connection with. The R is short one. It's not the X, the longer one? No, it's the R. The R is a short short guy. Yeah. But then here's the crazy thing that too we're talking about solids versus camo. Look at the trend in bows though. Most people now are hunting with a solid colored 
bow. No, yeah, camo my, bow. Oh, yeah, yeah. thing I know solid. that. Black bows. Like you shot, you shot an elk with a white limb bow. Yeah, my yeah. my bow I've got right in there is black. So yeah, really black you need camo then. Like yeah. that's yeah. that you're as close to an animal as you can be, and that yeah. bow is the first Mine's, thing that's sticking out in front of you, and yeah. it's not camo. Yeah, mine's stone gray with fluorescent orange strings. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a hot looking setup. The reselling it looks cool. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I mean, I guess it's a form of camo, but the other one that's always funny is is people were you know, they're whatever, their whole setup of camo, thousands of dollars worth, right? And then they throw on whites and, and, the, <laughs> yeah. and the mountain goats come running right to you and then yeah. you whack one with your bow. And it's like, well, I guess I don't know. I didn't need that camo. I could have wore yeah. anything and just put the whites on. But that's, I guess, a form of or, camo. I mean, the goats are looking at you like you're a goat. The, another good one, too, is when you see people decked out just GQ-style head-to-toe accessories, everything, all camo matching, hat. Yeah. everything gloves and then they'll just stand on the skyline and just yeah. <laughs> what are you they're doing? invisible uh, what, are you, yeah. what are you doing man you hiked all the way up here you're on the skyline you got animals on the age. what are you doing yeah i think it'll be an age-old debate i you know yeah. i think camo is it's just fine and um, there's nothing wrong with it i would never say you shouldn't use it or you can't no, my, use it you where know. i was going is you should make it an accessory camo yeah. <laughs> then I could use it archery hunting because now I have this bias stuck in my head. I'm like, well, shit, that did work. That guy was right. Uh, multicam, maybe. Multicam. multi-cam. I don't know. <laughs> Something just to. But like even the, even though like spring bear hunting to me, I can't imagine ever hunting in camo pants ever again. The amount of ticks you can spot when you have solid covered pants. That's a, like, that's a good otherwise point, you're, you're going to have Lyme disease guaranteed. If you well, wear I think camo that pants. is a trend that I've been seeing. Is I've seen a lot of people much that more acceptable, like, even if they want camo, to wear solid pants and then a camo top. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that makes logically a lot of sense, right? Because when you're stalking an animal, you're arguably going to be on your knees or crawling. Like, are camo pants doing that much for you? Yeah. I, I just <laughs> I hate being able to. You can't see those ticks crawling up your camo that pants. Actually, honestly, that actually, honestly, is an extremely valid point that I did not. <laughs> I've tried to talk about, about all the time. Like solid pants, I can see, especially like tan color or like a light color. I can see those things, pick them off, send them back brilliant, to hell with brilliant a lighter. Thought. Boom, yeah. done. Move on. I never what, thought about uh, that. What is your favorite apparel piece that you guys make? Uh, I think right now my favorite one is the Cirque Light jacket. It's a new jacket we just came out with. It's a lightweight synthetic insulation. It can be definitely used as an outerwear piece for earlier season, more moderate temperatures. Um, it's what? very breathable, so it's like an activewear piece. You can definitely layer it underneath. You like the Cirque better than the Grumman Light? Uh, I think I like the Cirque Light better than the Grumman Light. The Grumman Light's awesome too. Um, you know, then you get into that down synthetic debate. The Grumman Light's probably warmer. The Cirque Light's probably more breathable. The Cirque Light's um, got a better fit. The Cirque Light is just for me. Yeah, it just seems more, and honestly, I use it more for everyday use than hunting yeah. applications. It's very comfortable for wearable, just everyday use. Throw yeah. it on, go to work, throw it on, you know, around well, town. Where do, you, uh, where do you fall in terms of the synthetic down debate? Do you think there's a time and a place for each one, or do you tend to lean one way or the other? I think there's a time and a place for each one. I, I prefer down. For the most part, it's just more packable, lighter, insulates better. Yeah, um, there's just a lot of advantages to down. the The treated down now um, is so good at repelling water that a lot of those cons of down traditionally of getting wet, not insulating, are, are mitigated to a certain extent. It's is never going to be like synthetic, but but for a lot of you know the experiences that where you're going to get your down wet, it's going to be fine with treated down. Do you think treatment really works on down? Or is that like a misnomer? Oh, like, it works. Like, like you oh, yeah. legit believe that? I believe it works. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. I think it has life expectancy. Gotcha. Like, like anything. I think over time, it'll it'll lose some of its water repellency, depending on how much you wash it. Um, how much are you things. washing it? Down? Yeah. Not very often. 
I think, never. I think, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. I mean, once a year, maybe. Yeah, I think never. it's good to wash it when you need to wash it. I mean, it's not gonna, it's, it's not gonna hurt it or ruin it. But, you, I mean, I think just naturally you look at down feathers, right, and you understand just how loft and it works. You can see how that would break down with. Mm-hmm. I mean, washing machines are hard on everything. The agitators yeah. and washing machines. So I think don't wash it unless you have to. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. What uh, what what do you have new in your lineup that you like? I know that you came out with the Solus tent. The Solus tent's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a pretty niche product. Four um, season, one person ter- tent. Yeah, one person tent. And that was that was kind of Kurt's baby on wanting a tent that was a smaller footprint than our skyscraper. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the hunting he does is in the Alpine and areas where you are sometimes pitching a tent, mm-hmm. you know, in shale cliffs and stuff where you just don't have a big footprint. Pitching a tent. <laughs> Pitching a tent. So uh, just having a small footprint where you could still have enough room for all your gear, so not big vestibules and stuff. So it's really catered towards a solo hunter that's going to be high in the alpine. But but that tent's new. It's done really well. Um, we came out with a new pant, uh, the 206 pant. That's yep. pretty nice. Um, it's a lighter weight, kind of a more early season style pant. Think antelope hunting or um, early season archery type hunting. Um, that's done really well. And then the Cirque Light and the Grumman Light were also new this year. And and um, our insulation pieces are really nice. Our, our Grumman jacket is so one of the warm. nicest down jackets out there, but it's so warm. it's warm and it's heavy. So there was a, this need for something that was, when it's not so extremely cold and you want something a little bit lighter weight and packable, you don't need something so um, designed for cold weather. Um, those two pieces are pretty good options. Can I jump into packs? Yeah, yeah. back, you can go back. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want, Brady. You can do whatever you want. It's your world, your world, Brady. <laughs> you're, you're right there on the on the. You want to talk about mule deer hunting? <laughs> oh, no, God. he likes elk. He's an elk guy. Don't no, let him no. fool you. No, no, no. Don't no. let him fool you. Terminus. Oh yeah, I think that pack was designed for me. Yeah, Honestly, you like it. Do. <laughs> it took me a while to think about it, how it could work for my system, but how light it is, and now with the 8700, the new one. Yeah. So I've used that this entire spring season. Packed on an odd ad, mountain lion. Nice. Packed up two bears. And you're digging it. Loving it. Ah, I'm glad to hear I that. I can't wait to take it on a mule deer hunt. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. That's another one of Kurt's brainchilds. All you awesome. Gotta, all you got to do now is get a mule deer tag. Yeah. I got I have three mule deer tags. <laughs> I have way more mule deer tags <laughs> than elk Why did you say you can't wait to pack out a mule deer? You can't wait to pack out an elk, elk. this year. I do. Yeah, my elk, my elk tag is first. That's <laughs> that does make a problem here. <laughs> <laughs> that does make there it a problem. Just forget about mule deer. Just leave that to me this year. But yeah, that, that pack is sweet. For like yeah. a high alpine environment. Yeah, that, and, that's, and that's what it was designed for. It's not It's it's not going to be for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of those packs that, like, we're in the business of selling stuff, but at trade shows, lots of times, like, we tell people, you, you probably shouldn't buy that pack, depending on what you're doing. Yeah. If you're going on an elk hunt, right, that might not be the best pack for you but if you're going on a high alpine mule deer hunt a high alpine sheep hunt goat hunt that's really what that was designed for pack weighs four pounds it's so light and it carries 8700 cubic inches yeah. it weighs four pounds yeah. and that was and, and that was a meat that was a big uh design point for us it's like hey we want to make a pack that size that's under five pounds nobody else is doing it in a load carrying style pack mm-hmm. um and i think it turned out really good but counterintuitive to everything we just talked about in the beginning of this podcast it doesn't have an external load shelf and yeah, right? it's not it mod- has an internal modular. load shelf um it's not modular so it's very different than everything we've made but it fits a, a niche hunting um type of hunt really well that, that how yeah. pine sheep hunter like a boned out sheep isn't very much meat right yeah. so the internal load shelf that it has 
can fit it really well and you can still fit all your gear yeah. um, and it allows you to save that weight. And that's why I think I can still use it on a late season hunt. Cause that's my first thought because I love going late season backpacking for mule deer. Yeah. So I'm going to have a lot of clothes. Yeah. I'm still going to have, you know, a stove, a shelter, yeah. and I still want to be able to get that mule deer boned out, have the hide in there. Cause I want to try to mount it. Yeah. And have carry that rack oh, and just don't want to be able to go out on one trip. <laughs> yeah. This but guy. like the amount of space I get in there, I can just, you know, throw it, make make the pack taller. Yeah. Get everything in there. Like I'm super excited to take that on a nasty snowstorm. Yeah. Of a hunt it's a and sweet pack. And yeah, it's it's a niche use, but for a guy like you that understands it and, and yeah. has those types of hunts, it's pretty awesome and hard I'll, to I'll beat. let you know how it works on a mule mule this year. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? I can see you mentally <laughs> fight I, yourself. I, we even got to comments on the last podcast. Like, I'll, I'll send you guy. a photo of how it works with a mule deer. Hey, <laughs> one cool fact about that pack, uh, and you mentioned earlier the, the Inc. 5000 thing, but that pack this year was awarded by Fast Company as an Innovation by Design Award which is a very mainstream award. It was super cool to be. So in, in the magazine where these awards were uh, issued, the, that pack was listed next to like Apple products what? and Samsung products and hmm. like all these very mainstream That's awesome. That's cool. um, design. So it's like this, they call it innovation by design, but there's all sorts of very broad spectrum of, of products they look at and they have these different That's criteria. That's a feather in your cap right there. That's awesome. But yeah, it was pretty really sweet cool. to see it. It was literally like, it was listed with a product by Apple and it's a, hunt, mm -hmm. a small hunting company backpack i can almost that see that cool. pack eventually being that one like maybe some people who aren't hunting could like really look into too because it is so lightweight you, oh. can, you can do anything with it if you wanted to oh yeah that'd be a backpacker's oh pack. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. pack at or would would, would crush. crush man yeah I, I love that material too the outside yeah. material is different than the other packs and yeah it is yeah it's cool i'm glad to hear that i yeah, yeah. i got tested all throughout the spring and i was blown away especially like my i was like man i'm gonna throw a bear in there bear bear is dense and big and you got big hides but i was able to yeah do everything i needed 8700 8, 8, it's, it's a big pack <laughs> but it's so lightweight yeah. i can still just condense everything down if i want to do like a shorter hunt but still going to be just four pounds. That, oh, yeah. Four pounds of base weight is great to me. That's ounces I can put towards my yeah. optics, you know? Yeah, I, I think I'd love that pack to get recognized in the outdoor market a little more, a little more mainstream. Because mm -hmm. you look at backpackers' packs, I and mean, there's a lot of lightweight packs in, in that space, and people are pretty into ultralight stuff, but uh, they aren't designed to carry heavy loads, mm -hmm. right? You look at through hikers and stuff, you put that pack on them compared to. Mm -hmm. whatever the heck they're used to using i think it would blow their mind yeah and i can still strap my rifle on the side of it like yeah. it doesn't have the little pockets but like you can still strap it right on there yeah you know took it in desert environments beating that material up took it in you know yeah that material is super durable it, <laughs> yeah super durable it's a great great pack yeah i'm glad to hear that that's good i love it yeah we're you pretty could, stoked about that one. that one yeah yeah that's kurt yeah, that, was, that was another one. His, his little, little brainchild. His little babies, light yeah. Fast, yeah. <laughs> one yeah. of his little babies. Yeah, he likes to design those little niche products that everybody's like, that's cool, but you might be the only person <laughs> in the world that would really yeah. like that or use it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's other people out there, it turns out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll do my best to convince more people to go over there because, like I said, I feel like for my style of hunting, it just works. And I think it's going to work really, really well when I get to these mule deer hunts. Mm -mm. See, I can see you mentally fight it. You want to say elk, <clears throat> and you have to like tell yourself to say mule. Yeah. Where do you got where, mule deer tags? Yeah, 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 Brady. <laughs> yeah, where are they specifically? Yeah, Brady. Where are they? Uh, <laughs> okay, I got two. You know, two on the East Coast. You know, one, <laughs> one in Hawaii. Um, hey, do you know? I have a fun fact for you, and I'll, I'll give uh, Darren, our buddy George, a plug here. Do you guys know George Cook, one of our sales reps? 
No. I think so. Oh, he's going to love so. I'm going to have to have him listen. He's going to love this. He's laughing over there. He is, is he the only, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the only person that's known to have killed a mule deer in all 16 states that mule deer live. That's been eventually my goal as well. Yeah. I've mentioned him multiple uh, times. I got to connect you up with him. You guys are going to love each other. Yeah. yeah. But they, uh, somebody wrote an article about it in a magazine. Yeah, he's told me about it a million times, and it's awesome. He's a great guy, and he loves to kill, kill mule deer. Yeah. And then I finally read the magazine article, and it was pretty freaking impressive and interesting. Yeah. It, it was pretty wild. I'm trying, so to do it, it to I'm trying to do it slowly by building points everywhere. The only one that's going to be last is I'm really dreading going to California and trying to hunt a mule deer there. Oh, because, like, come on. Geez, I don't know. Because yeah. <laughs> I thought of going to that state. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, why, that's why I'm trying to yeah, expand that's this year. I thought you were going to say. I thought I was going to say like Nebraska yeah, or something. Yeah, I was like, no, I like, just right even, there. Like, like even this year, I have, a, I have a new state I'm going to to try to Where? cross that one off. Uh, it's, yeah, in the West. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a de- it's a deserty looking state, right. maybe. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But it's trying new things. And I'm, I'm excited for the tags I have because I have more <laughs> mule deer tags than I have elk tags. I always will do that trail. Wrong. But my strategy does work really well. So it's my whole entire life, I've never gave elk a chance at all, and I just built points up. <laughs> and you're so right. I, have, I have a metric shit ton of elk points in every never state. And so one, one of these years, people are like, wow, Brady, you're a really good elk hunter. It's like, no, I just have primo tags because I have so many points, and I'm just shooting big bulls. That's the but strategy. I'm not really skilled at all, but I just am waiting my time. So you know, this year, I have a really good elk tag. He's going to come back an elk guy. We all know it. Yep. Oh, man, these things are this is awesome. They do fill the freezer up a lot faster. I'll give them credit for that. They are larger. I mean, they're large. cool, but elk hunting's <laughs> hard to beat, man. Yeah. You're an elk guy? Oh, elk hunting's awesome, man. Yes. That's your favorite? Archery elk hunting. I think if I, I don't know, if you just had to choose one hunt to go do, archery elk hunting's pretty awesome. In the rut. Yeah. yeah. They're so noisy, though. I know, right? Smart guy, this Jeff. <laughs> they're so loud. Jeff gets it. They, they, this, yeah. I just want to be up there in glass, and all these bulls are down there making all this noise. I'm trying to have a peaceful glassing session. I don't know. It's weird. I I, I think yeah, I enjoy archery elk hunting probably um, the most, but for whatever reason, big mule deer are cooler to look at. I don't mm, know. They're sweet. I, don't know. I mean, have you seen a big bull? I, yeah, I've seen big bulls. I don't know. Big mule deer are cool. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, obviously, elk got more horn, but... Save a mule deer, killing elk. <laughs> We, we better wrap up. We've got a, an event tonight. We're going to do a pack fitting. So people that want to come down to the office, um, obviously they won't get a listen to this prior to the pack fitting, but you guys have one coming up, right? Like a get together. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. We have our we, annual summer bash, which okay. is uh, just a big open house, um, July 28th in Bozeman at our headquarters. So if you're interested and you're in the area or, or you want to travel into Bozeman, it's pretty fun. We usually do, uh, we always do um, free beer, free food. Live music. Um, we do some lots of good raffle prizes that support a local nonprofit conservation group. Last year, we had some guys jump out of a helicopter and fly an American flag in. Yeah, that's pretty that cool. That's cool. cool. That's you a good time. Have, you guys have a new headquarters too, right? Yeah, new we moved in. Yeah, moved into a new office about a year ago, a little yeah. over a year ago, and it's been a real nice change. For yeah, us. I stopped yeah. in there. It was it a month ago, and I was blown away. Like I've seen pictures of stuff, but you walk in there, and it's like this is a cool. Yeah, it turned out pretty cool. And like yeah. I said, I was saying earlier, like I really appreciate all like the conservation stuff you have in there, like all the stuff you guys have donated to over the years, like front and center. Like yeah. Yeah. the plane's pretty sweet too. Like look at yeah, the yeah. big plane in there. Yeah, like, there's a bush plane hanging in the showroom. It's kind of yeah, cool. Like, where do you see that? Like <laughs> only at Stone Glacier. You gotta go check it out. Yeah, yeah. July 28th, Summer Bash. It's open to public. No tickets or anything. Just show up and. Might have to make a trip to have over a good there. Time. Have some saying. beers. Fun. Have some beers. Yep. We like to drink beer. <laughs> I would have never guessed. Yeah, weird, huh? I mean, no way, right? <laughs> I mean, this is the first podcast we drank beer on because we have a guy from Bozeman show. Like, so. <laughs> this, is, this is what Bozeman does to us. Yeah. <laughs> Bad influence. Los uh, Angeles. Here yep. we go. I'll do it. We appreciate you coming. Uh, 
I guess we'll uh, catch up with you hopefully soon. Yeah. We, we appreciate it. We appreciate everything Stone Glacier. We appreciate yeah, the partnership sure. with Go Hunt. I think you guys have a cool brand. You've done you've done something really cool. So yeah. keep, like, keep innovating. Yeah. It's a cool thing. Keep keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me and thanks for supporting Stone Glacier too. It's cool. awesome. It's great. Thanks, Jeff. Yep.